Hello and welcome to the Tizzy Wire podcast, episode four. As promised, this is the first interview that we have today. We have Kevin Montanaro on with us to talk about his art and his work, but I call him Dante, as do several <laughs> other people, <laughs> and I don't know if he wants me to talk about that, but, <laughs> but we can get into that, the back, just some of his background, the kind of work that he's doing, his, where he gets his inspiration from, how he balances it into his day, and and I'll also be showing some of the pieces on the Tizzy Wire website. You can find them at tizzywire.com, and we'll share any other information that Kevin wants to share with us um, about how to reach out and learn more about his work. Okay, well, Kevin, thank you for being here. Can I call you Dante? <laughs> you you can call me Dante, sure. <laughs> it's so Do weird wanna... for me to call you Kevin because yeah. I've only ever known you as Dante. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, we had we had met um, through a reenactment group that we were part of uh, years ago, and part of that thing we all have our little fake names. We have our fake persona with our names, and you know we don't talk with silly accents or any nonsense like that. But either way, it's fun, and we know a lot of people almost exclusively through that. So I will have a friend say his name is Justin. I never call him Justin. I always just call him Iron Dwarf the Destroyer. You know, it's uh, <laughs> some people. I only ever know them by that name, and it's funny. I've I've I kind of fall into that category in other people's worlds as well. It's so funny. Good thing I picked a good name. Right? <laughs> it is a yeah. good name. Like I don't think anybody ever calls my husband by his by his name, which was I think. I don't know so. that I ever knew it. I always just called him Charles or Chuck. I know. I think his was Tierso, as I recall, but I don't think anybody called ah. him that either. Oh, my God. But, yes, <laughs> crazy backstories. I remember I met you at – did I meet you at an a, the Colwood event? Is that the one I met you at? I'm not I, sure. All right. I remember <laughs> I went to one back in 2004, and I met a bunch of you guys there. <laughs> and um, you were making those – like band guns at the time? Yes. yes. <laughs> do you still make those? I still make those. Oh, to give you a little bit of backstory, I mean, this is perfect transition from my last podcast, which was about kind of Dungeons and Dragons. So we did kind of cover a little bit of that <laughs> and the creative merit of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, absolutely. So it's totally related. It's a great segue. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, the band guns, yeah, I mean, you are quite a qua craftsman. You do both the, you know, the fine arts, but you are also, like, I've seen you make furniture, and you've been making <laughs> these band guns, which are, for, for the audience that does not know about the Society for Creative Anachronism, um, it, these, he would make, you would make these, like, weapons for our melee fights, or, you know, reenactment fights, that would sure. shoot these, like, hard hard rubber quilt like uh -huh. plastic. These rubber bands made out of surgical tubing. So right. they, they hit a little bit harder than your average Staples rubber band. Right. But they were you gotta beautiful. Feel the fencing army. Well, they're really fun to make, too. I yeah. always liked uh, going to you know different museums that had different guns on display. I'd take some sneaky photos of that and bring them home and try to make a few of them you know, to be as, as uh, period- religious as possible and except that you get to you know shoot your friends with it <laughs> it's a 
it's always more fun when you can shoot your friends with these guns. I mean, it's and like performance I, art. <laughs> right it, there. It could be. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I loved, I loved, I still have, I think, one of your prototypes from the early days. Yeah. You guys uh -huh. got my first, like the first guns I ever made, I think I gave to you guys. I know the yeah. first one that I gave to Charles was with a copper barrel and like a really stiff, awful trigger guard finger. Like, I know that was the very first one I made. Just, I don't know why I gave it to him. I think I just like him or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we still have it. I think we do. That's I kept cool. all of that stuff. I, th I think I've seen it fairly recently. If our daughter decides to take a venture on you into should the tell FDA her, don't. lifestyle. Don't do it. <laughs> this is like the warnings of uh, demonic possession, if it was only that interesting. Um, oh. No, but yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that's a prime example. I mean, you were starting with just some of those early prototypes just mm -hmm. because you thought it was cool. It was and cool. You just... There was a need. People wanted to. I made one for myself to play with, and I had one that somebody else had made for me. And I would bring those, and I'm thinking, this is cool. I wonder how many different ones I can make. If I can make these you know, German ones or these old Japanese matchlocks ones. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, how long did it take for you to make one of those guns, just offhand? That's a good question. Um probably three or four hours, all things told. Um, it really oh, depends wow. on the size and how much detail, because there's a certain amount for making the, all the metal parts. And then there's the you know, cutting the wood, fitting it together, and then there's the shaping it. And there's a lot of time that goes into the, the whole finish, the sanding, the you know, stain, the, uh, the, the varnish, all that kind of thing. So I try to make them really nice looking, and I don't just kind of throw them together. So it takes a little bit of time. Interesting. So, I mean, so you, you did you have like any experience with the woodworking? Because I see that you, you've always been a very talented painter from what I from what I've seen since I've known you. And I've um, known you for about 15 years. I, I just dabbled, really. I just played with the wood and I, I dabbled and figured a few things out. I've never actually taken any formal cabinet making classes or anything like that. I've kind of wanted to. And I got a client who is a cabinet you know, woodworking teacher at a, at a local craft school, but our schedules never align, which is a grown-up issue. You know, grown-ups don't have schedules that go together very well. So no. I've not been able to take any of those classes, but I just kind of look at pictures of other people's stuff. I do some reverse engineering of it, um, and I just kind of come up with my own designs for one thing or another. Half the furniture in my house is made by myself, just trial and error, and most of it has not fallen apart yet. Wow. I mean, that's really... <laughs> It's so crazy because my neighbor is actually like a 90-something-year-old Italian furniture maker, like mm -hmm. craftsman. It's so, it's so interesting. I mean, yeah, that you built all of your furniture in your house. I didn't even know that. Mm. Oh, yeah, coffee table, my bed, a chest of drawers, my liquor cabinet, um, different kitchen cabinets, and, and then, yeah, I just... Huh. I kind of look for new things to make. Interesting. And I mean, I know you've sold some of them, but do you sell any of your furniture fairly regularly or? No, not really. I don't no. really make that much of it. No, it's just no. more of a hobby. It's more of a hobby. Sometimes I'll just get a wild hair and I want to make a, uh, an old, you know, mission chest and just make a small one. And then I got to figure out where I'm going to keep it. Cause it's one thing to make it. And then, you know, when you got a small place, 
all right, now where am I going to put it? And I usually just kind of end up giving it away or something. It was more about the making it than the keeping it. Yeah, no, totally. And I guess that, that brings me to like my, my, I guess my first question that I want to talk about in these interview series is kind of why did you start making art and when was sort of that beginning for you? Like what kind of kicked that off that itch just try to make, start making things? I've actually been an artist probably my entire life. When I was a kid, I would draw a lot. I had this hardbound, uh, it was called Peanuts Treasuries, a whole bunch of Charlie Brown kind of cartoons. But it was this big book that was about the same size as a piece of, uh, of regular typing paper. So I would just keep a bunch of paper underneath of the front cover, and I'd take one out with my pencil, and I'd draw all these, you know, whatever a four- or five-year-old would draw, you know, like a monsters and flying saucers coming and attacking a whole bunch of army soldiers or you know just you know kid stuff and that was fun and i would just draw until the paper is full then i'm throw it away and then i start a new thing mm-hmm. and i would just that would just be what i did i sat in front of the tv but um i never really paid much attention to the tv it was just kind of my background noise which is mm-hmm. actually still how i do a lot of my artwork i do it with some kind of tv show on in the background just i don't know just background noise that i kind of mm-hmm. tune into or out of and then spend hours drawing or painting. Painting, yeah. like, I've done a lot of drawing lately, but that was basically where I got my start, is doing illustration. And um, my mom had done some needlepoint to some of my earlier pieces. You know, age six, it's a sports car and a guy smoking a cigarette, driving it in a CB antenna on the back kind of thing, and they're still hanging in her house. But <laughs> I, have, I have progressed since then. You know, I keep a realistic <laughs> sports car with a realistic guy smoking his cigarette and with the CB antenna. I've not yeah. gotten sure since then. I've just gotten better uh, standard of work. <laughs> you actually do do a lot, though. Of, a lot of your work is kind of automotive, vehicle-oriented, sort of has that, that metal aspect or even some... I know some of your work has, has been more like architecture-focused where mm-hmm. you do a lot with Japanese architecture or Japanese settings and mm-hmm. yeah or Japanese settings with scooters or you know is that kind of is that your I, muse my main my main thing is people mm-hmm. and the world of people you know whether it's just like a portrait style uh, a picture or like a street scene or something like that but then I also kind of like doing I do like doing architecture and like old cars or mm-hmm. Because it's got a lot of texture, you know, these old cars, especially like the old ones that have a lot of chrome and mm-hmm. a lot of curves. And so the grill is this big, elaborate thing, and the reflections in the curve, uh, I'm sorry, not the curve, the reflections in the um, the grill have to be painted a certain way to make it believable that, yeah, this is chrome. <laughs> and then the yeah. headlights have all these tiny lines and gradients of gray to white to a little bit of blue in there. And so I just kind of, uh, I, I enjoy the texture of, of painting those. And old cars are cool. So yeah. I like drawing no. things that are cool. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I, can, I do a lot of, um, a lot of my work comes from photographs that I shoot. And so I will, to do these cars, for example, I just did a photo shoot, well, two weeks ago, I think. And there was mm-hmm. a, just a bunch of classic cars at uh, this place near me called Shelburne Museum uh, in Shelburne, Vermont. And mm-hmm. these cars aren't like just on a big parking lot lined up. The museum has 
it's like a, a big vast outdoor thing and you have all of you have covered bridges on it you have these old houses with big pillars and they would position the cars in various places around so not only do i have the car but i have the background that the car is in so that i can it's like the both of the things i need and i'll just walk around with again these old cameras of mine and shoot photos of the cars and or even just people i saw a lot of pictures of just people milling around the cars a kid running past and uh these other people leaning over looking under the hood all this is just future it's going into my vault for future use right and that's kind of where it starts is just the raw material of yeah. the uh, photos of of people of, of objects of buildings and you know with buildings and cars and things like that you don't need a model you can just go out bring your camera clean your schedule for the day and just shoot everything that's got a great line to it anything that's got great shadow uh, reflection in the mirrors or the windows or what have you and uh and that just provides me so much raw material that i can use it just the one photo or i can do a composite of three different ones like say i want to do this old stanley steamer car but i want to have it kind of a futuristic looking thing so i'll have this street scene of downtown tokyo and um kind of superimpose the two together and then maybe put some people walking in the background that i had shot say when i was you know in montreal just kind of going around and shooting street scenes there so it, it could be a simple or a difficult process depending on what I want to make. Interesting. I didn't realize that, I didn't realize mo like a lot of your work was based on actual photos that you had taken, <laughs> but reflecting back on it, I remember at one point we had had a conversation about you and, and old cameras mm -hmm. and you've been doing, so what kind of camera are you working with and do you do anything with your photography or is it just more of a medium for your paintings? It's mostly a medium for my painting. Um, I have a lot of old, I think I have 15 of them now, old film cameras, some going back as far as like the 50s and 60s and some that are like up to the 80s and 90s, um, medium format, 35 millimeter. And they still make film for all of these and you can still process them and you can still buy the chemicals to process it with. And, you know, I can get perfectly fine workable things with my digital SLR, but I really enjoy the process using the film and the camera and it's a lot more zen because you're not just like i went out this week and i brought the digital slr to a place called emily's bridge in stowe vermont which is an old haunted covered bridge very atmospheric and i just bing 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 shot a bunch and i knew at least a few of those would be decent and you got these old film cameras you really have to engage with the subject because on like i guess mamiya 645 it's a uh, an old 19 early 70s era medium format camera i got 15 shots per roll and it takes a few minutes to reload so you're not really going bing 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 you're lining it up you're focusing mm -hmm. it you're making sure the light is right where you want it to be metered to and you just really engage with that uh, that that image that you're shooting mm -hmm. and the same way that i'm going to be later engaging with the image when i want to pull life into it from a painter's perspective and so it uh they, they do they just work well together those two medium but i still do a lot of dslr stuff because sometimes if you go out especially if i have a model that's agreed to work with me or that i hired to work with me whatever i can't reshoot a second time and i don't want to you know waste the time after let's see this is going to come back in two weeks and i'll find oh i overexposed everything the whole thing was a was, was a ruined shoot so <laughs> i'll still do with the dslr for those reasons but 
I'm, yeah, I'm more of a hype shooter than exclusively one or exclusively the other. Cool. I mean, it sounds like it's really not just, I mean, it's not just about getting to the point where you're painting, but the whole process from the very beginning where you're taking the initial photos down to the very end game. I mean, it's all part of the artistic process because you're putting mm -hmm. a lot of time into that photography aspect down to the actual cameras that you were using. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you created a whole sort of retro experience <laughs> down from the cars, be. the cameras, and yeah, it's, it's really it cool. Be. And I noticed that bringing in more retro, you, you are quite a uh, Star Trek fan as yes, well, absolutely. quite a Trekkie. Do you go by Trekkie yeah. or Trekker? I, I go by Trekkie because it's, it's a cute word. And I, I don't agree. Take, I think Trekker is the word for people who take themselves too seriously. They don't want to be seen as Trekkie. They're a serious fan. They're Trekker, which ain't everybody's got the crust they got a bear. I just kind of like Trekkie because it's the classic. It's the original. <laughs> that was my I dad's agree. favorite show growing up, and we would watch it um, in reruns on Sunday nights, usually you know before bed. And so that just was one of the first grown-up shows I watched when I was a kid. And I just really love the show, and I love all the TV series that came after the fact. I even watched some of the the new movies that came out. You know, mm -hmm. it's a I don't really think of those as part of the canon. I think they're more as like an homage to the other Star Trek ones. You know, the, uh, anyway. Yeah. I could go, <laughs> I could go on. Oh, I, I completely understand. I also go by Trekkie myself because I think that Star Trek is too much fun and life is too short to have to add an ER to the end of anything. <laughs> the documentary, the uh, Trekkies documentary, there's two of them. There are. And Trekkies 2. I think I have the original one on VHS somewhere. <laughs> uh, that's beautiful. Yeah, those are wonderful. You can't take yourself too seriously when you're dressed like a Klingon singing death metal in Klingon language. <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> and I mean, actually, both of those things kind of come through in your artwork. I mean, I'm looking at one painting that you did of Leonard Nimoy, which, God rest his soul, I get teary-eyed every time I think about it because he was my number one to yeah, meet, who I never met since I was about 13 years old. I'm literally tearing up right now because I love that man. <laughs> yeah, I think he was a favorite for a lot of us. I think he was kind of like if we saw ourselves in the crew somewhere, most of us ideally wanted to be Spock, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'll have some that wanted to be Kirk and some that and I don't know if anybody ever viewed themselves as Scotty. But um, <laughs> I'm sure I actually come to think of it. I'm sure a lot of engineers and a lot of, you know, Maybe. those kind of guys would see themselves. But I think. Yeah. I think a lot of us uber nerds would just kind of see ourselves as, you know, the, the, the analytical, cool Spock. Mm -hmm. he, he was really the cool one of the bunch, you know. He didn't yeah. flare out. He always, you know, always kept his composure. And he always had the best responses to just every situation. So yeah. I think that's yeah. the guy we always kind of wish we could be. Yeah. No, when I agree. Cool. Some wisdom to it, especially as, as things kind of move forward in the storyline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always love that painting of yours, though. I, I like looking at that just because also he's, you know, my favorite. <laughs> I think I painted that the uh, the year he died. I wanted to, um, I didn't have, I had other Nimoy paintings that I did and, and drawings that I did. And I, I sold one and I think I gave away two. 
and there's one that I really didn't like much, so I didn't hang it up. It's just in a folder somewhere, but mm -hmm. I kind of wanted something in my house hanging on my wall, so mm -hmm. I just did something of an older Spock from when I think he went in on one of the Next Generation movies or something, mm -hmm. and it was just uh, one of the many press photos they had done of him, and I just really liked the lighting on it, and he just kind of looked like a reposed, older version of of the Spock, and so I just painted it up, and uh, now it's hanging in my bedroom, I think. Yeah, no, it's it's really nice. I mean, I don't know if other non-Star Trek fans would find it the same way, but it's a well-composed painting, and I really, yeah, I love I love I love I love nerdy art that is <laughs> that adds a certain level of heart to it and and good quality. Yeah, you know, it just. It it rings. It gets me right there, you know. <laughs> but you also mentioned like the heavy metal component, which is also a big part of your life, right? Am I uh, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, just not so much of that in my work now. Originally, I did an awful lot of, you know, kind of more darker and ominous sort of imagery. Uh, a lot of sci-fi, a lot of horror, that kind of thing in there. Um, and I've done that for a while. I, I mean, a lot of that, I probably also played a lot of heavy metal records while I was painting them, which is you know, probably where a lot of the inspiration came from. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't done so much of that lately. I've just yeah. been, I was like, by different directions. And But uh, there's uh, earlier work of mine definitely has a lot of that translated over. Yeah. No, I've definitely seen as I was I was going through finding paintings uh, that I wanted to talk about in this podcast. We've covered a lot of it, honestly, and just sort of the evolution of a lot of it, because I know that I saw a lot of that sort of heavier, grittier, sexier component of your work. And, uh, you know, it's really had like that edgy, raw piece to it. But if uh, looking well, at we're you, all expressing ourselves through our work, mm -hmm. and sometimes that's the part of me that I wanted to throw down on the canvas, you know? Mm -hmm. I wanted to throw down the, the deep shadows, the sharp edges, the, the dripping fangs, all those things that I keep pretty much behind the rest of my persona. But at the same time, I really just want to throw a bunch of, you know, blood and anger on canvas. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people identify with it and would, you know, like those those paintings all the same because mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've all got that side to us and most of us try not to dwell in it because it's kind of you can't really do that <laughs> unless you're a viking or you know, you're a psychopath you no. probably shouldn't be doing a lot of that in regular life but it's uh, it's very cathartic to paint an awful lot of these kind of scenes mm -hmm. It, there's something very therapeutic about bringing our inner monsters to life onto a page. Correct. You know, something about making them real and, and facing them a little bit. There's something very real to that process. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, I always admire people that can actually do that and don't hide from that in the work that they do. Because I think that that... Go the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. And, I mean... Your work has it's got like even softer colors now in some ways. I mean, I, I've noticed with like, I love that picture of the little girl with the cat because I love the expression <laughs> of the yeah. cat in that picture. 
actually a friend's daughter. She had um, done a photograph of, I've worked from friends' photographs as well, because mm -hmm. sometimes they shoot a better scene than I shoot. And mm -hmm. I say, God, damn, that's great. I'm going to paint that. <laughs> and so yeah. I talked to my friend, Laura, and I said, hey, the picture of your daughter with uh, your cat, Safi, just on the piano. It's it's just got a certain, and I see in that, um, what the painting is, it's uh, her, the back of her daughter uh, on a piano with all these family little, you know, photos on the piano in the frames. And then there's an orange cat named Safi sitting right next to her and just kind of looking up at her as she plays piano. And yeah. from what my friend tells me, that's when the daughter would practice piano, Safi would always jump right up there on the bench and just listen and just kind of watch. And uh, I mean, I could tell from the photo that this is, this is a sweet scene. I liked it. Mm. And um, it had kind of a Norman Rockwell-y sort of feel to mm. it. And um, I'm trying to get a little bit more classical influence influence in my, uh, in my work anyway. So um, I just used a bunch of darker, richer, earth tones, you know, browns and reds and just to kind of, I don't know, just kind of create this, uh, this whole, this whole feel to that one. And it's a great one. I, um, I've got a lot of uh, positive feedback from that one and it's a sweet picture. It's just kind of, it's a calming picture, I guess. Yeah. And the colors on the shirt too, which really add a, had some, some nice color focal points to it that pop out, but it's really the expression of the cat. Maybe it's, maybe it's, because I'm a cat fan myself. The cat, well, the cat is the star of that picture. Yeah. Everybody, every, every painting has got a certain thing that is the set, like this thing here is the subject and everything else around supports. And it's kind of a, um, like a photograph, like a photography kind of thing too. There's a certain thing in, in a lot of photographs are, uh, this is the, the focal point that is the anchor point, I think it's called. Sure. And, um, a lot of my paintings actually do work from different rules of photographs. You know, you rule of th the rule of thirds you have in there. You have the different contrasts, the uh, all kinds of different stuff like that. And so mm -hmm. I pretty much structure them that way. And uh, yeah, the cat. Anyway, blah blah blah. The cat is the anchor. That, uh, <laughs> that. It's almost like the cat is the observer of some of the artwork that's happening. Like the cat has this great expression that it's almost it's almost like confusion and awe at the same time <laughs> sure yeah when you're looking at that painting and you identify yourself in that world you're not the girl on the piano you're the cat yeah a little bit a little bit it's very cute and i just and i love cats and i love <laughs> <laughs> i love the tail I and i love all. oh you don't, don't love like cats? cats i do not like cats see but, i would uh, never pick that up I do not like cats. I'm allergic to them. Always been allergic to them. And when something makes you physically ill your entire life, you tend not to latch on to that whole mm. species. It's mm. kind of, I mean, I, I don't hate cats. I just don't want to be near them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would never, you know, that makes the, I think that makes the picture even more special. Maybe sure. you are, maybe you are confused that you are inspired by the cat. Um, okay. <laughs> That's a stretch. I don't know. You know, I did used to paint a lot of horrible, awful blood dripping from the fang things. Maybe the cat comes from that part of my brain. Maybe. maybe. No, it doesn't. Your alter but... ego. <laughs> my alter ego is a calm cat that makes no one sneeze. That's true. 
Oh, God, no. <laughs> I, I have oh. higher aspirations for my alter ego than that. Oh, my God. Cats are just weeds, man. If they weren't, yeah. <laughs> hey, I've got two of them sitting next to me right now, so I cannot relate to that statement at all. <laughs> You're a couple states away from me. We'll be fine. <laughs> if I start sneezing, it's probably because your video is just too too high depth. So if I dial it down, your cats are making me sneeze. I'm surprised it's not picking up his purring because he's literally right next to the camera right now. <laughs> I don't hear it. Oh, man. But, I mean, so your work has kind of transitioned a lot, and you, you know, you have a day job on top of everything else that you're doing. So, I mean, this is mostly how you're spending your evenings at this point. My free time. Most of your free time. How do you get the? How do you get your work shown? How are you getting it out there? Are you just familiar with the local gallery scene? Um, you know. Yeah, getting it out there is a huge part of a working artist experience, because I mean I've been hanging out in galleries since I think the late '90s, early 2000s, and a lot of local galleries, and then. A decade later, I'm looking at my artist portfolio and I'm seeing almost all of my experiences within three blocks of each other, you know, with a few exceptions. So you're like, oh, I didn't get into this just to make the same 10 people happy. I want to make the world look at my shit. So I have to, you know, put myself further out there. And that's actually one of the things I've been doing in the past few years the past four or five years been trying to um, get myself into other venues and um, I have a lot part of it is social media social media is great for for the artist you can use one thing I like to do is um, as I am making a, a painting or a cabinet usually I would take photos in progress and you know from here's the pencil drawing and and then maybe a few days later, it's the first lay down of like the black outlines and paint or like a, the background wash that I put onto it. And as it progresses, you kind of, people really like watching it develop. And a lot of people will, you know, this, like I've seen paintings like that, the other people together, and by the time it's halfway through, I'm like, damn, that's good. I, I think I need that thing. I'm really kind of forming a bond with this as it goes. Mm -hmm. And um, and a, a lot of times I will I will sell them that way, or a lot of times people will say, "Hey, you should maybe do a series of that you know, thing you're doing there. Maybe uh, you should do a series of six uh, Rockwellian girl playing piano with cat paintings or something like that." So there's that part of the process. But then putting my and you know, so you have your it's kind of a network really you know you get people who are used to seeing your work and they, they are interested in your work and there's a lot of pieces that way and make a lot of connections that way other than that there's a number of different ways of, of doing it um one thing i like every town has a first friday art walk or a second thursday or whatever so a lot of times i wanted to say go to uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and I'm going to go do their art walk. And while I'm out there, I'm going to go walking through the galleries and look at, and, you know, be inspired by the art that I see and some of the people I talk to. But at the same time, I can make a connection there saying, you know, I've not hung anything over here. And 
I'd really like to, you know, maybe if there's a group showing coming up that I could put myself into, or there's art festivals everywhere. There's, you know, Art Hop, uh, South End Art Hop in Burlington. There is uh, Albany, New York. There's uh, something called Art on Lark. It's on Lark Street, so hence the name. Um, mm. That happens in the summer. There, Salem, I believe Salem, Massachusetts. Every every town basically has one. Yeah. Where you can see all of the stuff. You see all the galleries opened up. Well, not all of them, but in a certain region. And um, it's like it's just a big art fair, and you can get inspired. Because you're always looking for new inspiration, too. You like to see what other people are doing. And there's been a number of times in which I see people who are not in my same microcosm here in the Vermont area. You know, I will go to Albany, New York, and walk through some of these things. And I will just see something that I'm like, damn, I wish I'd thought of that first. That's great. I like the way he does the color. I like that, that smeary thing he does there. That's fantastic. I'm going to follow this guy's work, <laughs> and uh, maybe I want to use that kind of brown in my own technique, or maybe I like that smeary thing he does, or you, you find other things to incorporate into it. It's not so much stealing as much as it's just selectively uh, evolving with the help of others, and uh, a lot of artists do that anyway, all the way through the through the ages. So no, absolutely. Like continue that. Uh, I like to continue that. Uh, that practice but. yeah and I feel like that's something I want to do with this podcast in a lot of ways is I want to curate all of that and all of the things that are kind of inspiring me that I see people working on and really outreach and, and bring it all into one place sort of the opposite sort of doing the reverse form of going to a show except mm -hmm. I'm I'm sort of pulling it all in and pulling it into a, uh, a specific space where people can become inspired by each other and hear and learn from each other not just from the work but also from the dialogue i think that was something that i've found missing that i was looking for was the dialogue around art and mm. the creative process and i really wanted to as part of this journey is just getting everybody's perspective on how they get out there how they get inspired how they fit it into their lives and how they evolve with it and, and don't get stuck in it because I think you can get stuck in a rut especially if what you have works and people want it and you might feel obligated to keep doing it even if it doesn't inspire yeah. you anymore yeah there's a lot of artists who do do that because they found a formula that works and they might not want to break out of that or that just there's uh, other artists that I know for example who has a patron and this patron pays for her expenses pays for her wow. living expenses i know it's so old school it right? is <laughs> it's like going back to the renaissance right? problem That's exactly is what i thought she, he's the patron to her because he wants to make sure she keeps painting these things this way and he's going to have first crack at everything that she comes out he's like i want that that, that and that hmm. if she wants to branch out and do another style maybe she wants to do um you know, like like an abstract or like uh, maybe she wants to do a bunch of Santa Claus paintings. I don't know. She can't really do it because the patron's paying her to stay this thing that he's bought, mm. basically. So there's that side of it, too. Very few of us have a patron. So that's, you know, that's that's not an awful struggle that we know so much. But that's another example of how people really don't uh, change it up. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I had been stuck in a rut for a while, just kind of doing the, the horror thing, the sci-fi thing, you know, like that whole kind of comic book arty sort of world. But what that is, it's fun. People like it. It's always fun to paint, a, you know, dragons blowing fire or whatever, but there's no real market for it. If you really want to put yourself out there and all your painting is, is, is vampires and like fetish model queens and flying saucers, it's just always going to be a certain, this one gallery out of 30 that'll have time for you. And no one's really going to buy it because nobody wants to put a painting in their living room of a, of a Dracula biting somebody's neck. It's just a great way to work yourself into a corner. It's fun to do. It's, uh, but it's not, I wanted to kind of break past that and, you know, trying different things. And mm-hmm. I find that that opens a lot of new avenues to me. You know, like a lot of the, uh, I, I have a series of paintings that I do that are, lately what I'm doing a lot of is inspired by the, um, like the Baroque period, you know, the Rembrandt, the Caravaggio, the, that whole, um, a, a lot richer kind of deep shadowsy kind of thing so that all the things I like about, you know, those things I did before is there, but it's a whole different, I don't know, like that, that period of painting anyway, but besides that, uh, there's a lot more of a market for that and you'll have places that might want to hang less contemporary abstracty kind of things and might want to have something a little bit more classically inspired and that you know that fits in there and it also gives me i mean i'm never going to get super amazing at that that's just shooting to the top and we're talking dutch masters level here so (laughs) i can i can pretty pretty safely say that i will always be trying to learn new things so long as i shoot you know a little higher than you know just what i've been doing before and um yeah so there's that um i think the evolution is important and i think you probably have surprised yourself along the way on certain things (laughs) you know i'm sure you have whether it was something that you didn't realize you would enjoy as much as you do or it's stepping back from a painting and saying holy shit i can't believe i did that yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's been a lot of those moments I can't sell those paintings. Like I, I want to be able to prove I made that, you know, so it stays in my living room. Yeah. Have you ever utilized, I thought, I don't know if, are you on Instagram or I've noticed some artists, they do their work in progress on Instagram uh-huh. and I am fascinated. Got a lot of that. friends on Instagram who do it that way. I, I, I don't really put it. my art on Instagram as much. Yeah. I was for a bit. And then I was thinking I'm just going to make an Instagram that is just my artist persona and not my other stuff because I always have, you know, my hands in other things, you know, photography or just vacation photos. Or right now what I'm starting to work on is kind of like a travel blog that involves old photography and riding motorcycle through Vermont. So, do you have a do you have a, a link that you could share with uh, me? Yeah, I just started the thing, but it's called vtscoot.com. Oh, cool. It was originally a scooter club that I was um, running, and then it just kind of we stopped doing that. But I, it's just such a great URL, vtscoot. Yeah, it totally is. Vermont, and so I just you know wanted to make something with it again a source of inspiration i have this great 
URL, what do I do with it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and that's a lot of times how the artistic process begins. Draw a big yeah. square on a piece of paper. Let's make that square something. You know, I get it, because that's kind of how I started this website. I didn't know what this website was going to be. I just knew I needed to build something around the things that I was passionate about. And that's kind of where this conversation came from and where everything else is kind of going, is that oh, I didn't know what it was going to be. Well, that's why it was called uh, Tizzy Wire. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, so Tizzy Wire, what exactly, what's the tizzy? That's exactly what it was. I was in a tizzy trying to figure out what it was I was trying I to drive I knew there'd be a great story behind that. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what I was building. I didn't know I was building an art, uh, an artist's website. I just knew that I needed to start building a website, and in order to do that, I needed a website. So mm -hmm. I just needed to have it be whatever was in my frame of mind at the time, and that was the first thing that came out. It's like, I'm going, I'm in a tizzy about this, and then I was like, how about we just call it Tizzy Wire, and we just... I don't know. We'll just move on, and and that way I can get down to the work, and I'll figure out whether or not if I want to change the name later. <laughs> sure. But That's that was great. the idea. Sometimes Keep you don't know what you're. Sometimes you don't know what you're making until you are making it. Oh, that's a fact. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean, it sounds like at this point, so where you want to take your art, it sounds like you're in a similar journey. You're 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 just following where you want to make something and you want to see what it becomes, whether sure. it's a website or some of the artwork that you're, you're just uh -huh. different places on. to hang it, different people to meet. I like to have challenges to shoot for. I don't mm -hmm. want to plateau in what it is I'm doing. I'm not painting to plateau. I kind of want to give myself every year a new challenge, get two new locations, you know, where you're going to hang your stuff or make connections with, three out-of-state artists who you know ring your bells when you look at their work and that gives me direction to work toward and mm -hmm. like with your tizzy wire that's just it motivates you it makes you feel there's a reason for me to wake up today and that reason is to get on a gallery wall in los angeles california you know or there's a i'm gonna get five interviews with podcasters this month and it's um it's like your D&D &D game. <laughs> you're a bit. A bit, because, you know, you're not really playing your A game until you get that super awesome sword. And then when you have the super awesome sword, you need the super awesome shield to go with it. But to get those, you need your experience <laughs> points and your platinum pieces. There you so, go. There and you that's go. The fun of the game is building and building on that and uh, developing your character and... Uh, so yeah, I guess being an artist or a podcaster could be like being a fighter magic user thief in the world. You see, this is why I knew it that the D and D thing indeed. made perfect sense. Yeah. You get it, you know? It's I it, man. <laughs> I knew that I wasn't the only person that saw the connection. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it does. I think that it's it's about and it's also just creative exercising. And I think that sometimes a story. To get out of your rut, you need to create a new story. You need to evolve and challenge yourself and to get outside of your comfort zone. And that, that sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. I like to think so. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Well, I think <laughs> that I, you know, I've taken up a lot of your time. I know you've got to get busy and you got to eat. <laughs> you got to fuel <laughs> that creative <Yeah>. spirit. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
that's the last thing that an artist usually thinks about. Looks at the mm -hmm. clock. It's eleven o'clock. Jesus, I didn't eat dinner tonight. Right. <laughs> I yeah, so, I totally. <laughs> you've been there. I have. I've totally been there. Um, I had that Jesus. experience yeah, over do. the weekend. <laughs> uh, but nice yeah, I do appreciate you taking the time uh, to to speak with me and the technical difficulties. I am not a technical person, so this is that's part of my growth and my journey <laughs> as part of incorporating that into uh, this podcast is becoming more technical. Sure. <laughs> but and um you, yeah, you go just ahead. Develop it as you go. And you'll learn things from other podcasters like my sister I was telling you about, and she's got that microphone that she found made the difference. And you'll just kind of collect those things as you go. Yeah. Just like to collect, uh, I like this one sanguine palette that this other guy uses, and then that becomes a permanent part of your exploration and your journey. Yeah, that's what, that's the goal. That's the goal for me. Okay, we lost connection for a minute there, but we're back. And I want to open up the floor to you so that you have anything that you want to plug, any new projects that you're opening. Now's your chance to open it up to the Tizzy Wire audience, all 12 of us. <laughs> audience. Um, I have a show, a solo show in Plattsburgh, New York next June, 2019. But other than that, I don't really have an awful lot of irons in the fire at this moment. I was real busy last year, this year, not so much. So maybe if you go to my website, that website is bluesmokestudio.com. And if you, uh, see my artwork and you like it and you happen to um, know a place that might want to hang from it on the wall that would be super duper just get in touch with me and um maybe uh maybe i'll be hanging in a town near you that sounds great well i'll certainly be showing some of the work if you're okay with that on the tizzy wire website i'll have you fine. as a Awesome. I'll have you as like a featured artist with all the links so that everybody can link back and find out the best place to work with maybe working with you or maybe even buying some of your work directly. So awesome. Oh my God. I really appreciate you taking the time to. to this was fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, very proud to be your first interviewee. Yes. Awesome. I really appreciate it. And, uh, <laughs> I'm so excited to finally be interviewing artists, which is what the whole point of this podcast Great is supposed project. to be about. I really like this project you're working on. You like the idea? I do. I really do. Cool. All right. I, well, think, I, hope... I cannot wait to look forward to um, other artists that you put on there yeah. and, uh, and hear their process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I have a few people in mind, a couple that I have already lined up. Um cool. And I'm hoping to meet more as I talk to more people. So if you know anybody who is doing anything interesting that you find inspiring, if uh -huh. they're interested, and I, I'm really looking to talk to just about anybody because it's not just about the work. It's about the process and how people find inspiration because some people get stuck. Some people have been stuck in a rep for a while. Some people can't get the guts to show their work. Some people don't know how to promote it and get sharing those ideas in a community. I just am not seeing that in any one place being talked about in the artist community specifically. So that's that's what I'm looking to achieve with this. If you know anybody, you know, spread the word. Well, I, I know a lot of artists. 
I can probably send a few your way. <laughs> well, if you need to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at tizzywire at gmail.com. That's where I'd like to have uh, all art discussion uh, submissions or if you have any work that you just want to share or any comments about the podcast, that's the best place to go. Um, so I guess for now, unless you have anything else, this is uh, anything else to say, I'm going to be signing us off. Um, no, I think I've said enough. Cool. <laughs> I think that you said enough in such a positive way. I think that this was a great end-to-end bookend discussion on your your process and really encapsulates a lot of what we what, how we know each other and the evolution of your work and and your process so i this has been awesome thank you so much for talking to me absolutely <laughs> cool all right well thank you everybody for listening be sure to tune in next week when hopefully i will have our next artist on the podcast um i will talk to you guys later take care y'all You've been listening to the Tizzy Wire podcast. New episodes out weekly. You can find out more about us or the artists that have been on the show at tizzywire.com. Or you can reach out via social media at Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at all of the Tizzy Wire handles. Or you can reach out to us via email at tizzywire at gmail.com if you want to be on the show or have any questions about the show. Anyway, thank you so much, and I hope you tune in next week.